That was Scott Kurt of Scott Kurt and Memphis 59 doing their rendition of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers' Christmas All Over Again, which was released on October 20th of 1992. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Cover to Cover. I am your host, songwriter Matt Tarka. Thank you for joining us today. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Today, we are going to be interviewing Scott Kurt of Scott Kurt in Memphis 59, and we are going to be discussing Tom Petty and his 1989 effort titled Full Moon Fever. So without further ado, Scott, welcome to the program. Thanks for making some time today. Hey, Matt. Thank you for, for having me on, man. I could, uh, you know me, I could talk about Tom Petty all day, so this is a real treat. For sure, man. We're really glad to have you. And, uh, you know, right off the top, what inspired you to choose this particular offering from Tom Petty? 
Yeah, uh, well, Tom's always been my my favorite singer songwriter uh, artist. Uh, to me, his music is uh, it's timeless, and it sounds to my ears just as fresh now um, when I listen to it as it did when I when I first heard it. And this album came out when I was like uh, I don't know, like fifteen or or so, and I was just starting to fifteen or sixteen or whatever, and I was just starting to drive. And you know, when you start to feel that that feeling of uh, independence for the first time and choosing whatever music like I want to listen to in the car because I'm the only one in the car and you can just kind of you know roll the windows down and crank the music up and that was uh probably mm-hmm. one of my first times experiencing that and I think that just had a huge huge impact on me it is you, you said it it's it's an absolutely perfect driving record I yeah. I personally love going down you know, some back stretches of different roads it's just it, it just captures that feeling of yeah. ind- independence for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, can you please, you know, tell our listeners who some of the players are on this particular record? It's, um, it's a slightly different, um, alteration, if you will, you know, of the heart of the heartbreakers. Who are they? Yeah. Oh, I think, um, well, this record was different, um, because it wasn't a heartbreakers record. You know, it was a Tom Petty record. And like mm-hmm. you said, at the top of the show is his first solo record. Um, but to me, as a kid listening to it, I didn't really think of it that way. Like I just, it just sounded like Tom Petty to me, um, because a big part of Tom Petty's sound, I think, is Mike Campbell, his guitar player. You know, because really, Mike Campbell's riffs um, are just as recognizable as Tom's voice. Uh, you know, in a way, and since he played on all the songs, it didn't sound. It didn't. How can I say it? It didn't not sound like a Heartbreakers record to me. Um, and all the Heartbreakers did make appearances on the songs. Like he brought them all in to play parts here and there. Uh, but for the most part, you know, Mike did all the, Mike Campbell did all the uh, guitars and Tom did some guitars too. And Jeff Lynn, you know, the producer and, uh, you know, Jeff was the producer, but it was also produced by Tom and Mike Campbell. So really all three of them got together and just kind of built this record together. And, um, you know, looking back, it does sound different. Um, than other heartbreakers like records like a Tom Petty solo record versus a heartbreakers record. But when I first heard it, I didn't really, I didn't really hear it that way, and I really didn't hear it that way until a lot later, you know, um, later in life when I listened to it. Then I heard the differences um, of not it being like a heartbreakers like live record, you know. But that's just how Jeff Lynn likes to produce. He doesn't like to, he doesn't record bands live playing at the same time. You know, he'll have the drummer record his part. And then he'll have the bass player play his part. And Tom used to play bass. So I know Tom played bass on a lot of these songs. And then they'll bring in the guitars. And it's really built like that. And that's how Jeff Lynne likes to work. So I hear that now listening to this record. That's so interesting. We are, yeah. Um, so we've we've mentioned Mike Campbell. We've mentioned, of course, Tom Petty playing some bass parts. Um, yeah. Did Howie Epstein uh, poss- did he have some involvement, you know, with this record on Full Moon Fever as as well he as did. Ben Montench? Yeah, he, he did, but he didn't. Um, I remember Tom watching a clip of Tom saying, you know, how he was there laying down a bass track, and they were they were just sort of waiting, waiting around because Jeff Lynne was putting some finishing or finishing touches on some stuff, and how he was getting kind of agitated because he wasn't really doing anything because they were just used to playing live. And Tom went over to him and said, hey, man, are you okay? And he's like, no. He's like, I don't really like this song. I don't really like this recording process. I'm just not into it. 
And Tom said, you know, the song that they were working on was Free Fallen. So, you know, one of the, <laughs> one of the best songs, uh, you know, on the record and of all time, pretty much, you know, and, but Howie was just like bummed out. He just did, he didn't like the process. So I don't know, um, you know, and I, I haven't checked the, the credits, uh, whether he played on it or not, or whether he just kind of left the session or not. But I do know Tom invited all of the guys in uh, to play to play stuff. Uh, you know whether they took him up on that, I don't know because they were there were some hurt feelings too when when Tom did this record and said, "Hey, I'm doing a solo record." Like the band was kind of, you know, it was kind of a gut punch to them. Uh, mm-hmm. But once he explained, you know, what he was going for, I think in the long run they understood, and because they get to play the songs live anyway, so. Sure. We are talking with Scott Kurt of Scott Kurt and Memphis 59 here on cover to cover with Matt Tarka, all things Tom Petty, all things uh, full moon fever. Scott, you described for us exactly, you know, when you, you know, were listening to this record when you were 15 or 16 years old. Uh, did you discover Tom Petty, uh, on your own? Uh, was there a circle of friends where you were just kind of, you know, gathering around, you know, a radio or something along those lines and said, Hey, this, this artist is amazing. You know, yeah. how did you, how did you come about discovering Tom as an artist? Yeah. I don't remember exactly when, like the first time I saw him or heard his music. Um, but it was probably, uh, on MTV, uh, because MTV launched in like 81 and I was a little kid, but I was just like, love music even back then. And it was so cool because it was music is obviously, you know, audio and, and mtv brought it into a visual aspect too and tom's videos you know i remember the video for refugee that came out in like 79 or whatever and i remember the video i don't even think mtv was around but i think there was like a uh, like a a saturday night live video or saturday night video show that was on like late night saturday night <laughs> and they would play performances and i remember seeing that video and tom was just like he just stood out. I mean, even in his own band, like they all had dark hair and he had this like blonde hair and he was like not a traditional, like, you know, poster, you know, like pop idol. Like he had this different look about him and he had this different sound when he sang and the music sounded different to me. And it just really caught my ear. So it was probably, uh, it was probably MTV. And also Tom's videos were always super like, you know, appealing visually. Like, you know, whether it was you got lucky with a futuristic car pulling up and they, you know what I mean? It was like a Mad mm-hmm. Max video mm-hmm. or yeah. the um, uh, um, Alice in Wonderland, you know, don't come around here no more. His videos were always cool, too. So I think it was I can't like I said, I don't remember exactly the first time I heard him, but it was probably on MTV or, or something like that. And every time you heard his voice, you knew it was him, you know. Mm-hmm. I remember, uh, you know, several years back, I think it might have been a uh, writer from the Washington Post described uh, Tom Petty as, you know, the man with a blonde smirk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there was there, there's that sort of like ed- edginess, that sort of attitude just to to the yeah. artist as, as a whole, which I always thought was just kind of a really fun synoptic way of, of, yeah. of, des- of describing him. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, were pigeonholing him at that point in time. We're talking here about 1979 or so when, when uh, yeah. that video for refugee came out and uh, um, 
he was kind of classified as new wave. Like he was sort yeah. of like lumped into a lot of things that were also happening in, in the punk rock scene in the late seventies too. So he was a, uh, there was a lot of versatility to him as an artist. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so too. I think because they were, I think because they went over to England, you know, when the, when the whole punk thing was going on, like in the late seventies, uh, their management or somebody booked them a tour over there. And it went really, from what I remember uh, reading about it, it went really well. And they were well received, you know what I mean. So it wasn't like they sent over some teen pop idol, and the the clubs just like ate him up and spit him out, you know. Like the the, the kids over there really liked the sound. It was like traditional like punk rock, like the Ramones, but it was cool, like guitar driven rock. And I think he's just a believable guy, you know. Like you believe what he's singing, and there's no like big hair and makeup or anything. It's just like you know he was who he was, and I think people resonated. Absolutely. We are talking with Scott Kurt right now on Cover to Cover with Matt Targus, specifically about Tom Petty. We're sort of, you know, jumping around here and there, but we're going to be talking, you know, quite a bit about Full Moon Fever from 1989. Um, we know that this is the debut effort from Tom Petty as a solo artist. Do you think, uh, before we start talking about some tracks, that this is a, a drastically different sound from uh, these initial Heartbreakers records, you know, over the course of, uh, you know, 10 to 12 years? Or do you think that this is, you know, kind of a thing that Tom was striving for all along and he decided to bring, you know, several of the Heartbreakers along for this part of their musical journey? Yeah, I think, um, I think the, I think the Traveling Wilburys record probably had a lot to do with Tom recording a solo record um, because that came about, the Wilburys came about very organically. Um, you know, it was George Harrison, I believe George Harrison and Jeff Lynn um, were working on a B-side to one of George's songs. Like the record label wanted a B-side to put out with one of George's singles. Oh, from Cloud Nine, those sessions, yeah. was that it? Yeah, yeah. and 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 Jefflin was producing it and George said, you know, I want to get Roy Orbison to sing on this song. Uh, so Jeff's like, okay. And they were in LA and he said, cool, no problem. And I don't know if it was George. I think Tom Petty had borrowed some of George's guitars or something like that. And George wanted to use it to record. So he called up Tom and said, Hey, can I stop by, you know, and, and pick up my guitar? And Tom's like, yeah, sure. So when he got there, you know, he's like, Hey, we're, George is like, I, I have a session that I want this guitar for. He's like, and we're working with Roy Orbison. He's like, do you want to come and hang out? And Tom's like, sure, man. So he hopped in the car with them. So all of them got together and where they were recording the single or the B-side was at Bob Dylan's studio. <laughs> so they got together and they were like, and then the song was Handle With Care. Uh -huh. The Wilburys. Yeah. So, so they got together and recorded it. And, uh, you know, it was Bob's studio. So Bob heard what they were doing. He went, he went down and was like, what's going on? And, you know, they turned in the demo to the record company and the record company said, this is way too good to be a B side. Yeah. How about doing a whole record with, with these guys? And Jordan's like, I'll ask them, you know, and everybody said, yeah, man, let's do it. So they cranked out. And I think that was the first time Tom played in a band that wasn't the heartbreakers, you know, and they weren't really a band because they didn't have like a, a different drummer or anything like that. Um, like a, a set drummer, it was Jim Keltner who played, but he wasn't like a traveling Wilbury. Uh, but I think that gave Tom a little bit of like independence in a way, like playing with different people sort of inspired him. Like, Hey, I don't have to have to do a heartbreakers record. I can, 
maybe write songs that you know I want to write on my own and don't really have to run by the guys and get their input and all that. So I think I think the Wilburys probably inspired this. I don't know for sure, but it seems like that's the natural path of the of the record. And you know, like I said earlier, when I heard it at the time, and even through like the '90s when I would listen to it, it didn't sound different to me. Um, but when he recorded it, the record company said, we don't want to put this out. This does not sound like a Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers record. And we don't think the fans are going to dig it. And Tom's like, well, it's not a Heartbreakers record, but it's a Tom Petty record. And he really had to fight for them to, to release it. And I think now it doesn't sound different to me because I think that kicked off a new sound for Tom Petty. You know, when you think about Mm. into the great wide open, Mm-hmm. the next record with the heartbreakers was also produced by jeff lynn and again the band did not like that recording process <laughs> um but then the record after that was another they did the greatest hits record but then the record after that they did uh wildflowers which was another tom petty solo record but it was produced by rick rubin and rick works much different than jeff lynn rick works he wants the whole band in the room at the same time so the even though that was a solo record, the Heartbreakers played it on the record, and they they liked that recording process, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so so I think it's more it's much like when U two released Octone Baby, like in ninety or ninety one, whatever that was, that kicked off a whole new sound for them. You know what I mean? And yeah, allowed yeah. them to, to evolve. And I think this is I think this is the record for Tom where he did that because I think he was in his like late thirties, and I think he was kind of. He kind of wanted to, he was maturing as an artist. You know, he wasn't just want to crank out these loud guitar songs anymore. And uh, and I think this allowed him to, to evolve as an artist and kicked off like almost Tom Petty 2.0, where we got like, you don't know how it feels. And, um, you know, songs like, uh, uh, what's that? You Wreck Me, you, wreck you know, me. And, and stuff like that. I think that allowed him to sort of expand there. So it didn't sound like a traditional Tom Petty record at the time. But I think now it just sounds like, I mean, when you hear it won't back down, it just sounds like Tom Petty. Talking with country rock artist Scott Kurt of Scott Kurt in Memphis 59 here on Cover to Cover with Matt Targa, all about Tom Petty. Um, Scott, what are some of your favorite tracks on Full Moon Fever? We can go track by track or we can select your absolute favorites. Um, where would you like to begin? Uh, I mean, I like them all. I mean, it's, it's, it's why it's my favorite record of all time. I think Wolf Back Down uh, stands out for, I just, I remember the video, you know what I mean? It's like, you got Tom Petty, you got Jeff Lynne, you got George Harrison and the Ringo Starr, you got two of the Beatles, you know what I mean? When you get two, two of the Beatles backing you up, you're doing something right, you know? Totally. Um, and I think Wolf Back Down for its simplicity in the lyric and in the music, you know, like, like the chorus is real simple and the, the verses are real simple, you know? Well, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You know, he just repeats a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and it's very bare production. Like, there's not a whole lot going on there. It's just mm-hmm. like a, a drum beat, a chugging guitar, and an eighth note, I think, bass, you know, bass line. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that, but it's so powerful. There's, there's power in, like, simplicity with Tom. That's that's the gift that he, that he brings. Um, so yeah. I, I like Wolf Back Down. I think that's that's just a signature song and sound of the record. Uh, Running down a dream is just so cool because you have this, 
sort of juxtaposition of a laid back vocal, like beautiful day, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you, you have that with this like absolute killer guitar playing going on and this really nasty distorted riff, you know, so you yeah. put those two together and it's just like, man, it's crazy how, how that works, but it just does. And, uh, and also the song all right for now, uh, just because it's so, it's just Tom and an acoustic guitar, you know, it's both, it's almost like a lullaby song. And I think that was just like, it's very honest and just really raw. So I think those three kind of stand out, uh, for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to go back to, I won't back down for a second. I think it was, I think it's Tom who's on the record of, um, you know, of, of talking about how the chorus, you know, kind of got adjusted a little bit with some uh, assistance from George Harrison. I think George, I think George was fixated on one line that he had, you know, after, you know, like, Hey, maybe it's sta- he, it was initially standing on the edge of the world or something along those lines. Oh, really? Standing on the edge of the world. And then George said, what, you know, kind of like, what's, what's up with that line? And he just, he just suggested something, you know, kind of, you know, yeah. at, ra- at random, like, what about, there ain't no easy way out. And I, th- I think that's how that line got changed. It would have had a very different vibe all the way around. Yeah. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if George got a writing credit on that or if he just kind of gave that one to Tom. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't yeah. think George needed the money. So I guess he was, he was fine. with it, you know? That's cool. No, I never heard that, but that, uh, I think that I'll, I do know, when they recorded the vocals for Won't Back Down, that Tom, much like me today, was really stuffed up. <laughs> and uh, and I guess he was fighting the flu. Like, I just, you know, have some allergies. But I guess Tom was, like, fighting the flu. And Jeff was like, do you want to do this? And Tom's like, well, let's do it. And if it sounds like crap, then I'll just, I'll do it another day. But they were there. And he's like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And those are the takes that they ended up using. So, um, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Talking with Scott Kurt right now on cover to cover with Matt Tarka all about Tom Petty's 1989 solo record titled Full Moon Fever. Um, why don't we why don't we take a second to talk about cover art? Sure. Um, we live in this world where you know so much music is consumed, you know, in, in a digital way. I mean, certainly vinyl records and, and cassettes are still produced, but you know, so often people are listening to them in that format. But one thing that's always like stood the test of time is, you know, having some sort of supporting artistic medium. And uh, Scott, when you look at the front cover, um, what kinds of imagery comes to mind when you when you look at Tom, you know, front and center? Yeah, I think the thing about the artwork. Uh is that it's it's much like the record it's very simple you know it's uh it's tom holding a rickenbacker guitar <laughs> he's almost and, and that's really like this the tom petty sound is that jangly rickenbacker guitar you know if you think about the beginning to american girl that damn ba damn you know mm-hmm. guitar thing. um that's really the tom petty signature sound i think he's saying hey this is me this is my guitar and this is kind of what I'm all about. You know, I mean, it's very simple. It's just like, there's not a whole lot of fancy production on the record. The songs are pretty simple. They're just a couple chords. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was just on the, 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 to me, the album cover says, this is who I am and this is what I do. Like in its most basic form. So, yeah. Yeah. 
does Full Moon Fever as a whole kind of transport you back into that era in which this music was created? Uh, sort of, but not really because I think the music, to me, the music, how it was recorded, um, and that's a credit to Jeff Lynne, is that it sounds, it still sounds timeless and fresh to me. Um, you know, like if you listen to an old Led Zeppelin record, it's really raw. You know, you can hear like, you know, you can almost hear like the drums bleeding into the guitar track and all that. And it's very, it's cool, but it's definitely like a, a dated sound. I would say an album like that or something like that brings me back to a, like, oh, that's definitely like was recorded in the 70s. But if you listen to Full Moon Fever, like, I don't get that, like, oh, this is recorded in the 80s. I don't get that vibe. From it. So it doesn't really bring me back to a time when I first heard it because I listened to the album so much, like through the 90s, through the 2000s. And even now, I still listen to this record all the time. And it still sounds like it could have been put out like last year. You know, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's just, it's really well-recorded guitars, well-recorded drums, and great vocals. Scott Kurt of Scott Kurt and Memphis 59, thank you so very much for joining us on the program today. I really appreciate you coming on. Man, I had a blast. Like I said, I could, you know, I mean, I know you're a big Tom fan too, so we could, you know, chat about this all day. But yeah, this is... Uh, such a great record and from a great artist. So thanks for having me on, Matt. I really appreciate it, man. My pleasure. All right. My special thanks to Scott Kurt of Scott Kurt and Memphis 59 for taking some time to stop by the program today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you very much. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, or Amazon. Take a moment to tell a friend or tell some of your family members about our show. Let us know how much you like the show by giving us a good rating. That will certainly help us appear higher in those search results. And feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. We hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us today as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover. Happy holidays, everybody.